0: Hello there, I'm Graham Gardner, and you're listening to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number nine, from the British Society of Dowsers. In this episode, uh, I want to focus on a very special form of sacred space, the labyrinth. I'm at the Edinburgh Labyrinth in George Square Gardens in Edinburgh University for a special summer solstice walk of their permanent outdoor labyrinth. Now, we've looked at the labyrinth before uh, as an abstract metaphor of the skills learning process in podcast number four with Tom Graves, but there's such a lot more to labyrinths than just that, and I've wanted to return to the subject and cover it in more depth ever since. The labyrinth symbol is many thousands of years old and found in many different cultures around the world. We don't know where the first one was drawn, but the pattern has been found on pieces of pottery in Mesopotamia dated at over 4,000 years old. And perhaps this is why it's such an archetypal symbol and seems to have such a deep resonance with uh, human consciousness. Uh, In Europe, labyrinths have been used as prayer walks since medieval times and many labyrinths were constructed in Britain then and uh, they're said to be um, as penance for not being able to make pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Uh, You were expected to walk the labyrinth daily, usually on your knees, and uh, give thanks that you weren't uh, having to go off and fight the Saracens, I guess. Uh, There's only eight surviving medieval turf labyrinths in Britain. Uh, but many new ones are being constructed these days, and in fact, more labyrinths have been built in the last 20 years than ever before. Uh, Native Americans use labyrinths for ceremony and rites of passage. Um, the southwestern Plains Indians uh, produce a man in the maze uh, Wickerwort design, which is very popular with tourists. Uh, although for uh, actual ceremonial use, they only make temporary ones and never leave uh, permanent ones constructed. And in the Scandinavian countries, uh, stone labyrinths were constructed on beaches and walked before uh, boats went out to sea fishing. The crews would walk into the labyrinth and then run out from the centre, leaving any trolls and other nasty attached spirits and bad luck trapped in the centre. Uh, This kind of spirit-catching aspect of the labyrinth shows up in Eastern cultures too, and you'll frequently find labyrinth designs on temples in China, Korea, Japan, uh, Sumatra, Java, and the rest of the Far East. Uh, This may also be partly why they were installed in the naves of many European Gothic cathedrals. Uh, By walking the labyrinth, you leave any emotional baggage behind and uh, emerge purified before you uh, process deeper into the the body of the cathedral. So you're more uh, focused on your spiritual purpose in being there. And in India, there's a, a labyrinth type called the Chakra Viewer which has a special spiral centre, and uh, that's described in the Mahabharata as being a battle formation. Although, to be honest, it's hard to see how that would be workable. And uh, many labyrinths are found around the Baltic Sea, and often these are of a special, uh, what's called a Baltic wheel design, which has a shorter exit from the goal to make them easier to run. There are many traditions of uh, labyrinth games and dancing, and uh, of boys racing each other through the labyrinth, uh, usually to catch some poor girl who's been stuck in the centre. Uh, but of course, the um, traditional form of the labyrinth is the seven-circuit classical, sometimes called the Cretan. Uh, that's that's the oldest form, That's uh, the oldest drawn form, and it's called Cretan after the legend of Theseus, Ariadne and the Minotaur. And it's very easy to draw using what's called a seed pattern that's based on a central cross device. Uh, If you don't know how to do this, you can easily find out on the internet, as there's several dozens of sites about labyrinths that will tell you how to do that. But why are they so interesting? Um, Well, uh, unlike a maze where you have to make decisions about which way to turn, with a labyrinth there's only one path to follow, so it's impossible to get lost. And with this unicursal layout, you don't really have to think about where you're going. So your walk becomes a much more relaxing experience, more akin to a meditation, perhaps. So uh, labyrinths are kind of right-brain meditations, whereas mazes are left-brain logic puzzles. And uh, American labyrinth maker Robert Ferre sums it up beautifully by saying, In a maze you lose yourself, but in a labyrinth you find yourself. They really are quite magical spaces and uh, capable of causing great transformations in people when they're purposefully walked. Uh, I've seen people regularly break down in tears after walking, and that's not just the women. Even hard and cynical old men have have done this. Uh, People have experienced uh, spontaneous healing, uh, spiritual revelations, uh, even becoming pregnant after walking a labyrinth. So uh, whether you're using one for your own purposes, or used as part of a group ceremony, the labyrinth is a powerful powerful tool, and you shouldn't underestimate it. Uh, they're particularly good for marking transitions in life, or, say, for um, bookmarking the beginning and end of a journey, whether physical or spiritual. Um, uh, in fact, any of life's major rituals can be enhanced by using a labyrinth. Uh, now, having seven paths lends the classical labyrinth to uh, many interpretations and uses. Uh, seven is such a universally special number, you can map almost any sevenfold system onto the labyrinth design, say the, uh, the colours of the rainbow, the notes of the musical scale, um, the seven planets of traditional uh, astrology, the chakras of the human body, and so on. And this can lead to many inspired uses of the labyrinth, uh, one of the best known uh, was developed by Sig as uh, described in his book Labyrinths, Ancient Myths and Modern Uses, and this uses the labyrinth as a problem-solving tool by assigning each of the paths to a different uh, chakra, and a different quality of the chakra. So the idea is that you focus on a problem or life issue that you seek guidance on, and then as you're walking each path, you can focus on all the aspects of that particular chakra, you know, whether it's uh, material issues, emotional, spiritual, uh, and so on. Uh, you can find out more about this uh, technique on SIG's website, uh, which is geomancy.org. Um, now, although the 7th Circuit Classical is the oldest and most commonly known form of labyrinth, uh, in Roman times they started to produce new, squarer designs uh, as uh, patterns for filling mosaic floors. And these, uh, obviously, being brought on floors, had squared off corners and a kind of fourfold symmetry, which making them easier to lay out on uh, on square or rectangular floors and uh, in medieval times this design was adapted again and larger circular labyrinths were installed in the floors of many Gothic cathedrals where the central cross-shaped symmetry was uh, particularly appropriate to a more Christian context. The most famous surviving example of this uh, is the one at Chartres Cathedral in France and that's why uh, that design is often referred to as the, the Chartres Labyrinth. Uh, And in the late medieval period the design was adapted still further and evolved into the complex garden hedge puzzle mazes that we're perhaps more familiar with today. Uh, There's the Turf Maze in Saffron Walden in uh, Essex, which is uh, the longest turf labyrinth of the surviving medieval ones. And this is a kind of transitional form as it uh, is a sort of square shape with corner bastions, but it's still just one path and uh, it's quite significant because it's based on that design that uh, actual mazes started to appear based on that design shortly after that was built. Anyway, uh, so what's it got to do with dowsing? Labyrinths are much loved by dowsers, as they have a characteristic power centre uh, energy signature, uh, just as you find in a stone circle or a gothic cathedral or pre-reformation churches. You'll find uh, a blind spring with water veins coming off, and usually you'll find uh, a lay crossing as well, or, or more than one. And evidence from uh, dowsers that, uh, over the years suggests that labyrinths can actually attract water to them. They can physically attract water to them. Uh, there is a story that uh, Sig relates in his book about a priest who had a church on a hill in uh, Sweden and uh, didn't have a water supply. So he, was, he wanted a water supply for the church, so uh, he built a labyrinth uh, outside. And uh, after a period of time of walking this labyrinth, uh, he was able to actually install a hand pump on the edge of it uh, and, and find a, a water vane there so he could uh, get a water supply for the church. So, it seems to be the act of actually walking the labyrinth uh, seems to be uh, what what does the trick here. After a few days of walking a brand new labyrinth, you can start to douse this energetic signature, whether or not there was anything there to begin with. Uh, this particular one in Edinburgh is no exception to this rule. I was commissioned to be the site geomancer when the University of Edinburgh Chaplaincy wanted to build this particular shark replica labyrinth and the, the first site I doused in the gardens had a very good power center uh, with blind spring and lay, but the site just wasn't level enough for the architect so uh, I had to find another site in the opposite corner of the gardens and there wasn't such a strong power center as there was no blind spring uh, although there was a lay line and a water vane um, the nearest blind spring was about ooh, I don't know, 20 or 30 feet off to the side uh, towards the center of the gardens But uh, we went ahead anyway, and over the few years that it's been open, the spring has actually moved and uh, is now a very powerful, dousable vortex under the centre of the labyrinth. Uh, The particular lay is uh, a long one that was uh, documented back in the 1970s by uh, Harry Bell, in a little book called Forgotten Footsteps, and uh, it runs from Arthur's Seat, which is just visible from the Labyrinth, all the way across central Scotland to the Dumbarton Hills, just to the north of Glasgow. And interestingly, it also uh, passes through a modern maze constructed at Edinburgh Zoo, although I didn't know about that at the time, and it certainly wasn't intentional. Anyway, I can see that uh, people are assembling and getting ready to begin the walk. Uh, this ceremony is going to be facilitated by the Reverend Di Williams, who is the chaplain at uh, Edinburgh University and the person responsible for uh, having this wonderful space created in the gardens. And Di is a veriditas trained labyrinth facilitator and uh, very passionate about the subject. So uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to have a few words with her uh, after we've finished the walk. Um, so for now I'll stop waffling and go over and join in. I'll speak to you in a bit.
1: Gathering at the end, or just mm. even more we gather at the end. As the sun spiles its longest dance, cleanse us. As nature shows bounty and fertility, bless us. Let all things live with loving intent and to fulfil their truest identity.
0: Okay, well as you can hear, we're yeah. walking the labyrinth now and uh, trying to keep very quiet because is concentrating and just following the path ahead. It's actually, it's very relaxing, just actually focusing on where you're putting your feet. You don't have to think about anything else in the labyrinth, just the path ahead of you. And it helps so. sometimes when you're walking these longer paths, you get a sense of a question or an issue that needs resolving and you can just think about it while you're on that path and then when you make a turn you make a choice to think of another aspect of it and in doing this way, this walk the labyrinth itself becomes a means for solving your problem and uh, so, every time you make a turn of the path you think about a different issue of the problem and a different side of it and very often by the time you've got to the centre of the labyrinth you yeah, have some idea of what to do to resolve the situation. And that's really what ovens are about. You know, they are tools, they are devices to help us cope in this stressful, modern world. And even if today you can hear there is uh, all this construction noise going around, you're actually just aware of the of your footfalls. The sound of the birds in the background. a sense of peace as you walk this wonderful, sacred form. This is actually quite a long labyrinth to walk. This is a full-size shark replica. It's uh, 42 feet in diameter. And the paths well, I don't know exactly how long it is, but it's uh, quite long. And uh, the interesting thing about the shark labyrinth is the uh, sacred geometry involved in it. Uh, there are 11 circuits to walk, 11 paths, that uh, wind, first of all into the centre and then out to the edge. And then you go around the other half, and you do that from the edge into the center, before you finally get into the the goal of the labyrinth, the central flower petal, which has uh, six lobes around the outside. And uh, actually, uh, the the, the hidden message is that there's seven. Uh, There's one in the middle which is invisible, but the design of the labyrinth is constructed so that if you imagine uh, trying to place six coins around a seventh coin in the centre, that's the sort of shape it is. Uh, the seventh coin is, is, is invisible. Uh, now, this is because, well, some people say this is because the Sharp Labyrinth is dedicated to Mary. Well, uh, the whole cathedral is dedicated to Mary, in fact. So, the um, seven is a number representative of the Virgin in sacred geometry because it's so hard to uh, get anything to factor into it. So uh, that's one of the secrets of the, the geometry of this labyrinth. And uh, I think about all these things as I'm walking it, usually because you have plenty of time to contemplate all this and any other issue you came to think about. And occasionally you meet somebody on the path, and it's nice just to open the eye and smile as you pass and uh, just enjoy a peaceful contemplation of walking this mountain. There are other ways you can use the shark labyrinth as well. Uh, Because of the symbolism of the four quarters, it's possible to assign each quarter of the labyrinth to one of the traditional elements, earth, air, fire and water. Uh, So for example, when you're in the earth quarter, you might think of anything relating to the material side of your issue or problem. Uh, when you're in the water quarter, right, you think about the emotional issues relating to that. Uh, when you're in the air quarter, you think of the intellectual challenges this is going to mean to your life and how you're going to have to redefine your your life around it and the decisions you make. Uh, when you're in the fire quarter, you think about how this is going to affect your spiritual life. You know, uh, for example, uh, if I make an affirmation to walk this labyrinth as often as possible, what changes is I going to have in my spiritual life? Uh, well, they make me a better person eventually. Um, on the Earth Quarter, on the material side of things, uh, that means I have to come through to Edinburgh as often as possible, which has certain financial implications. You know, uh, do I want to move through to Edinburgh so that I'm closer to the slab roof? And on an emotional level, uh, well, it have something in me just to walk these. Uh, any particular emotional issues at the moment. But if I do, it, it must be a good place to, to look that one. And intellectually, while well, uh, I'm wondering how this podcast is sounding as I'm walking around the labyrinth, this is a good place to be doing a podcast. You know, all these sort of things through your mind. Uh, hopefully by 10, you meet up with the middle, uh, you'll have come to some sort of resolution. The, uh, the short labyrinth is the oldest medieval one that we have in existence. Uh, that is the only one of its type surviving. Um, many cathedrals had labyrinths and uh, that pattern was quite common. However, it's the only one extant because the rest of them had been uh, ripped up in years went by uh, because the priesthood were getting fed up of people wanting to walk the labyrinth and uh, you know, were disrupting their services. Um, Sharp had become very accommodating about this. I have to work booth open uh, one day a week, and on the summer sauces. Um, the rest of the time though, it's covered with chairs, so, uh, bear that in mind if, if you go and visit the with Cathedral, you have to go on a Friday. Um, however, if you're in Edinburgh, uh, you can come and walk this one as often as you like. And there are several others throughout the country, which you, you can find by uh, searching on the internet. So, anyway, I've uh, reached the centre, and uh, just pause here, and thanks. things and uh, switching on to dozing mode i can feel this is very very strong here uh, as i said uh, earlier, the level is due to attract water and this one has been pulling a blind string towards it since it was built uh, which is now under the center and actually does feel quite like i could fall over here if i close my eyes i feel like i'm being twisted to the side quite strongly and I also notice when walking around the, uh, the rest of the labyrinth that at certain points you can feel something going on uh, with the energy, like uh, my feet get hot, just usually a spine, there's an energy allay involved. Uh, some bits feel like you're going downhill, and some bits feel like you're going uphill, even the whole thing is quite remarkable. So just going to walk out now and uh, Try not to pop into Abby just still behind me and uh, we'll pick this up again on the other side. I'm talking to the uh, Reverend Di Williams who's the chaplain of uh, Edinburgh University and one might say the creator and the curator of this wonderful space. So Di, uh, why do we need labyrinths?
1: I think we need labyrinths for lots of different reasons. I think many of us need labyrinths to slow us down and to help us connect with creation, with ourselves and for many people with um, the
0: sacred, the divine with God It's certainly been an interesting experience today with all the uh, construction noise around us there's been generators and saws and scaffolding and, and uh, yet you still are most aware of the bird song and, and yeah. the peace as, yeah. you're, as you're walking the labyrinth yeah. so um, what made you uh, decide to build this one here? In this place?
1: Yeah, I think just because it was such a beautiful garden anyway um, with wonderful trees uh, wonderful shrubbery and it's at the heart, in, in many ways, it lies at the heart of the university centre, um, or at least the central part of Edinburgh University. Um, and, and that felt really significant in terms of providing a space, a unique space, for the university community, the staff, the students, uh, and and the wider Edinburgh community, and visitors. Um, the Ladminth seems to attract visitors from all over the world. Um, actually to place it within the heart of the university was important for us. And this is quiet, and people do use this space anyway. Just for being. And this added another dimension of that.
0: And uh, do you find many students are are walking it?
1: I I don't go past every day, but nearly every time I go past the labyrinth or come to walk the labyrinth, there's either someone just leaving, someone on it, someone just about to walk it. And I can't for sure say if they're all students or staff or, or people from the city. Um, all I can say is, it's,
0: it's a delight that it seems to be being used and being warped. What is it that attracts you to this uh, sharp uh, medieval style design?
1: Mm. Good question. I think it's its rhythm. Um, if ever I make a labyrinth on a beach, I can't make one of these, it's too difficult for me, so I make the classic design which is a much simpler and more ancient design um, and walk that, but to actually come here where the effort's gone in into creating um, the slightly more complex but rhythmic design of of a medieval Chartres pattern um, feels quite special and is special to use so it's got a great equilibrium you're walking and turning to the left, you're walking, you're turning to the right there's a, a balancing going on um, within one's own self as you walk this particular design. And it also has a really lovely space in the centre, a much larger space than often a classic design labyrinth would have. Mm. So it's a place of gathering um, mm. and and openness and waiting. Uh, it's a
0: lovely space. It's certainly a more communal style than a, than a classic labyrinth because yeah. you can get more people in the centre. Yeah. 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 Um, have you had any uh, tales of you know uh, major transformations or uh, people having major cathartic moments uh, having walked it?
1: There, yeah, there are stories of um, of people walking it, holding a particular issue um, in their life, and and perhaps somehow in the walk, finding either a small step forward or some greater resolution or healing or Transformation. if you if you want to, to use those terms um, quite personal things for people so perhaps things not necessary to say but but to acknowledge that actually there is a power in using a tool like this um, if someone is, is is risking that amount of trust and openness um, and if in a public space as well um, then then I, I think often there is a there's a, an outcome of that for people
0: I can remember uh, a workshop I did uh, in France a few years ago where we had a 70-year-old Dutchman who had been, uh, was very against walking a labyrinth and and anything like that because he'd been taught these things at school by the the Nazis. He was at a National Socialist school. So he thought it was all rubbish. So um, we told him to to walk it a second time with forgiveness in his heart, uh-huh. and uh, he broke down in tears yes. and, and wept for 20 minutes. Yes. You know? So yes. it just amazes me, the, yes. the power of the labyrinth oh, to bring yes. that out in people.
1: I, I had a really interesting experience on my 50th birthday, With the we have an indoor uh, canvas labyrinth, the same pattern as this, which we used before we had this built. And on my 50th birthday it arrived from university, and we laid it, and I walked in, and just walking in I was absolutely flooded with uh, memories and people and places over the last 50 years and just a, a huge flooding of emotion and I got hello, and I got to the centre and, and just wept buckets and then on the way out as I stepped from the centre to walk out I realised I had no memories for this next bit of the journey this was all open and new mm, so you get mm. those moments which seem a little odd and arbitrary and random but actually are deeply significant to how life is lived
0: and so uh, maybe this is why uh, more and more labyrinths are being built these days. You know, People we are rediscovering yeah.
1: you
0: know, this sort of
1: power. Yeah. Great. It's nice to have that seagull fly over there and yes. give, us <laughs> give us a hello. <laughs> <laughs> a nice little counterpoint there.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll take our leave of the Indra Labyrinth there. But just as a little postscript to that walk, I realised on the train home afterwards that it was exactly five years to the hour since I had walked the original Chartres Cathedral Labyrinth. That's the magic of the labyrinth for you. If you want to learn more about labyrinths, there are loads of sites on the internet that you can look up. Uh, why don't you try labyrinthos.net, geomancy.org, geomancygroup.org, and labyrinthsociety.org. To find one near you, have a look at the worldwide Labyrinth Locator at labyrinthlocator.org. And I've also made up a Google Earth placemark file of labyrinths in the British Isles that you might find helpful. I'll put a link to that on the podcast page, as well as a link for the Edinburgh Labyrinth. Now, just before we go, we have a couple of news items. Uh, there is an extra foundation course that has been laid on in Malvern on the 11th and 12th of July due to popular demand, and that's going to be tutored by Professor John Flavell. So, uh, contact the office for more details on that one. Uh, I still have some spaces left on my own foundation course, which is taking place in Sway, which is uh, Limington, just outside Southampton, on the 18th and 19th of July. And uh, on the 25th and 26th of July, uh, there is an Environmental Healing 4, Understanding Earth Energy Power Centres and Features of Special Geomantic Significance, taking place at Avebury, uh, tutored by Dr. Patrick McManoway. But that's it for today. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Malvern, England. For more details about dowsing and the Society's activities, please see our website at BritishDowsers.org you can also leave messages on our forum at britishdowsers.org slash forum or you can email us directly on podcast at britishdowsers.org. Do let us know what you think of the show and what you'd like to hear in future podcasts. Music's by Hilary Brooks and Ian Pegler. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us next time for more Adventures in Dowsing.